Welcome back to Let's Talk About God. And today we're going to talk about God. We're going to about ta- we're going to talk about talking for God. Oh, or God talking through us. Exactly. I'm glad you moved your thing. <laughs> your microphone stand. So, like the the way that it is, I, y'all can't see the stands, but it's like yeah, because we're on the radio. Basically, <laughs> we're not on the radio. That's we we're on a podcast, but we're on the radio. Basically, the whole last time we were recording, I was going cross-eyed because I couldn't look at you in the face. I, I, I was looking at the like end of the mic stand. Yeah, I was doing the same thing, and I was like, "Oh, yeah. this is miserable to look at." So I'm glad you moved it over. Yeah, I, I thought I'm going to readjust this thing. I can see my notes, but anyway, how you doing? I'm doing great. How are you? I'm I'm I'm, I'm making it. I'm uh, I'm trying to get over COVID. I'm looking forward to taking a nap. At some point. I started school again. Oh, did you? I actually have an assignment to do. I'm trying not to stress out, but I working, not actually stressing out. Working on your master's degree. Yep. Great job. That's awesome. Today I'm going to write a discussion post on the imprecatory psalms. The imprecatory did psalms. Did we talk about that when we did our psalms episodes? Because we did two. I, that was a long time ago. What are the imprecatory psalms? Re- refresh my memory. I, I know that word. Yeah, it's, the imprecatory psalms are, is where the psalmist like asks God to essentially destroy destroy his them. Yes, so like, yes. Cast their kids against the stones. Break yes. their teeth. Do all these things. And so we need to ask: Did that does that have a place in the New Testament era? Can Christians still pray that, or is Jesus? contradicted and overruled that. Can what do we, we do with that? Can we work that in on our praise and worship set this Sunday morning? Break the teeth of our enemies, <laughs> yeah. Cast their children to the ground. <laughs> I just don't think that's going to fly. <laughs> I think in, in you'd have to do, it would take a really talented songwriter, and they would have to do it in a milder form. Essentially, let me let me back up and say this. The imprecatory psalms is actually refusing to seek personal revenge and asking God to be just as he's declared himself to be just. Okay. So people get so mad, they're like, why why is he praying for God to judge these people? And you're like, you gotta understand, he's not saying, God, I'm gonna go kill these people because they killed me. Or, you know, not killed me, but they attacked me. It's I actually I'm letting go and I'm letting you be who you promised to be, that you bring justice. Yeah. And um, in the in the psalmist era, there wasn't um, kind of a clear doctrine of the resurrection. So there is this sense in which judgment needs to be immediate, or take them out and the, out or, of sight, or, out there, of mind. There's no there's no concept, you know, of the resurrection and judgment day and the right. great white throne and all of that. Um, so I think we kind of redirect that in light of New Testament revelation, like. God forgive them if they repent and judge them if they don't bring justice. You there know? you go. Sounds like you're ready to do your assignment. <laughs> I just that, that was helpful for me. I just worked that out. Now I can go do my discussion post. There you go. Thanks for letting me just kind of be a sounding board and whatever. Well, I just sort of had this premonition, mm. this sort of just <laughs> premonition that you needed to do that. <laughs> are you foretelling or are you foretelling that, that was, I'm going to do a good foretelling? I was foretelling. Oh, good, good. Now good. I'm about to foretell, evidently. <laughs> so you, so you want to interview me today? So this is going to be a different podcast, right? I mean, I would still like. I wasn't going to tell the audience that, but I guess now. Well, why not? This, they kind of know where we're going today. I mean, let me just say it like this: I will contribute where I can contribute, but I think the things we're talking about are much more nuanced. So I'm comfortable saying, what does the Bible say about X, Y, and Z? And today, we're going, not that we're departing from the Bible, but we have to use, we can't just proof text all our answers. We can't just Google, what does the Bible say about, and then move on. We have to use a level of discernment and wisdom and experience and all kinds of things for yeah. what we're talking about. Yeah, and and obviously, they look at the podcast title, so they know we're talking about the gift of prophecy That's right. today. Um and and I think you're going to love this because we are going we're going there. Oh, we're going. We're going there. What about we're going to let's finish this. What about all these online prophets for Donald Trump? Facebook prophets for that Trump. That said Donald Trump was going to win the election and he didn't. And then came back and doubled down. And doubled, Those were my down. favorites. They were like, "No, God's still working. He's making a way." And yep. Trump is our president. Yep. Cracks so, me up. 
So we're asking all kinds of good we're questions. Gonna, we're today. going there today. That's what I mean when I say you can't just like you have to use. Yeah, you. We obviously are always using the scripture, but you can't just proof text that. You have to begin to theologize and apply and and yep. do some good thinking. So st- st- hang around. This one's going to be good. So let's begin with our 30-second definition. What is, and I want to be clear here, the New Testament spiritual gift of prophecy? What is the New Testament spiritual gift of prophecy? Okay, the the gift of prophecy is, and this is very important, is a supernatural Mm -hmm. and spontaneous utterance. In a known tongue. That's for, good. For us, it would be English. Speaking one's own language in the power of the Holy Spirit. So that's my simplest definition. It is a supernatural yeah. and spontaneous utterance in a known language. Okay. Again, for us, it would be English. Speaking, though, by the power and the motivation and the impetus and the direction of the Holy Spirit of Let God. me add 10 more seconds to your answer. For what purpose? Uh, ultimately, to edify the church. That's good. Edify people. It can be personal. There are personal prophecies, which are not as common mm-hmm. as sometimes some people make them to be. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I think that's really good. So here's what I'd like to do. I've got just kind of a lot of questions to ask you today, but let's give a scriptural grounding. So I'll, I'm going to read a couple of scriptures, and we can break those down. And I think that's going to be um, a kind of good, simple underpinning to be able to build off of everything that we're talking about. Um, so if you actually read 1 Corinthians 12 through 14, you get kind of the whole application of all of the spiritual gifts. But I just wanted to give us kind of a quick little section where Paul's specifically mentioning prophecy. So 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verses 1 through 5. Pursue love and desire spiritual gifts, and especially that you may prophesy. For the person who speaks in a tongue is not speaking to people, but to God. He's talking about the gifts of tongues here. Since no one understands him, he speaks mysteries in the Spirit. On the other hand, the person who prophesies speaks to people for their strengthening, encouragement, and consolation. The person who speaks in a tongue builds himself up, but the one who prophesies builds up the church. I wish all of you spoke in tongues, but even more that you prophesied. The person who prophesies is greater than the person who speaks in tongues, unless he interprets so that the church may be built up. And if you have questions, I know that there's, he's speaking about tongues and prophecy there. If you have questions about tongues, go listen to our episode on the with two on speaking in tongues and the baptism of the Holy Spirit, and we've explained all of that there. Exactly. So, and then let's do one more, and you tell me if you consider this a personal prophecy or a different gift. Acts 21, 10 through 14. After we had been there for several days, a prophet named here we go, all right. Agabus came down from uh, Judea. He came to us, took Paul's belt tied his own feet and hands and said, this is what the Holy Spirit says. In this way, the Jews in Jerusalem will bind the man who owns this belt and deliver him over to the Gentiles. When we heard this, both we and the local people pleaded with him not to go up to Jerusalem. Then Paul replied, what are you doing weeping and breaking my heart? For I am ready not only to be bound, but also to die in Jerusalem for the name of the Lord Jesus. Since he would not be persuaded, we said no more except the Lord's will be done. So walk us through both of these, beginning with the first Corinthians passage. What does Paul have to say about the gift of prophecy, what it is, what it looks like, what is its purpose, and then maybe we can look at it in application here in Acts. All right. If you go back to 1 Corinthians 12, Paul introduces us to what we commonly call the nine gifts of the Spirit. Mm-hmm. The gifts can be broken into three different categories. Um, I'll not take the time to do that. The The one category is often called the revelatory gifts, the, 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 the gift of tongues, the gift of interpretation, and then the gift of prophecy. Obviously revelatory because, or, or sometimes called gifts of inspiration. Mm-hmm. So let me, let me say that. And, and the reason they're called that is because 
the inspiration of the spirit is required for those gifts to function. Okay. Obviously the gifts are important. All the gifts are important. We should desire for all the gifts to happen today. Mm-hmm. And, um, and the, the gifts have not ceased. Yeah. Okay. So we're having these caveats, these mm-hmm. presuppositions and prophecy seems to be the one that Paul emphasizes more than any of them. I would wish you all speak in tongues, but as a, you know, especially that you prophesy. Especially that you prophesy. So there is a clearly, in Paul's eyes, without diminishing tongues interpretation, there is an emphasis on prophecy. Mm-hmm. Okay, so prophecy must be important, and it is. I think if you would let me, what I'd like to do is start by telling you what prophecy is not. Yeah, I think that would be good. Okay, because some people have these preconceived notions. So the gift of prophecy, the gift of prophecy, and, I, and I'm going to address your second part in a minute about Agabus. Mm-hmm. The gift of prophecy is not strictly foretelling the future. Mm-hmm. So when we think of a prophet, we think of somebody who is predicting a future event. Can the gift of prophecy have that foretelling element? Absolutely. But but more so, it is forth-telling. So you, you were joking mm-hmm. earlier, but it really is, by design and substance, more of a telling forth of the word of the Lord for usually a church setting for the body of Christ. <clears throat> so it's not foretelling the future. The second thing, and I think this is important, I've, I've heard... I've heard non-Pentecostal people say this, and I've read it, and and so I have to respectfully disagree. Prophesying or the gift of prophecy is not preaching, mm-hmm. and I've heard those two equated a lot. It's not. Those are two different things. Often used for a different purpose. I've seen it used to neglect the actual spiritual gift of prophecy and I've also used it as I haven't used it. <laughs> Let me correct myself. I've heard it used as an argument for egalitarianism as well. Very interesting. How's that? If prophecy is the same as preaching, women can be pastors. X Y Z lead past, You know, right? Uh, because it says your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. prophesy exactly. Yeah. Right. So some people think that when an individual preaches a sermon, they're implementing the gift of prophecy. They resemble each other in some aspects, but they are entirely different. Mm-hmm. In preaching, the spirit engages the natural mind, okay? But in in prophecy, the spirit's mind is operating through the natural speech. Mm. Does that make sense? Yeah. It is a work of the spirit in my mind. So so when I prepare for a sermon, I've got notes, I've I've put predetermined material on the slate. In a sense, this is something you are saying. You, as the preacher, as the teacher. I've created it. I've structured it. I've organized Uh it. It's not spontaneous. Yeah. It's structured. And then I delivered it, 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 hopefully in a systematic (laughs) way. Some preachers are not as systematic. The gift of prophecy is spontaneous. There can be structure, but you're receiving it from the spirit's mind into your mind, and then it's coming out your speech. A preacher expounds the written word of God, but a prophet or, or, or someone with the gift of prophecy, I want to I want to make sure I differentiate that, is speaking spontaneously and supernaturally inspired words from the Holy Spirit for the moment mm-hmm. to the body. Okay, so it's not foretelling the future strictly. It's not preaching. So we, we don't need to say that. And and then third, it's not rebuking. And some people think that when prophets speak, that they're going to be mean and harsh, and they're going to let the church have it. That's not really what Paul says in 1 Corinthians 14. Um, a person who speaks a prophetic word and the gift of prophecy will make statements that lift up the people of God that encourage the body of Christ. Correction comes from preaching the word and from direct confrontation by authorized spiritual leaders. I'm I'm thinking of a video right now which a you know a prophet 
he gets up and in front of the church declares that a woman on the front row is having uh, like an affair. Oh no! <laughs> with I'm pretty sure, with, like either she's having it or her husband's having it with another woman of the church, and chaos breaks out. <laughs> oh, so you would no. say that is not the gift of prophecy that would cause chaos and division in the in a public worship service. No, that's not the gift of prophecy at all. So <laughs> I got to see that video. <laughs> I got to find um, that. <laughs> so, so that's what prophecy is not. And then we've already talked about what, what prophecy is. Um, probably people wonder how do the gifts operate? There's such a sub, it, it's so subjective, Evan. Mm-hmm. It's, which I think is beautiful. It, not some people are analytical. They're control freaks. Everything has to be ABC structured, and that's great. I'm a structured kind of guy. But what I had to learn in the Holy Spirit and flowing in the Spirit, I had to learn how to flow. I had to learn how to be flexible and how to mm-hmm. how to hear His voice and work with Him and be pliable and mm-hmm. and and plastic, if you will. Yeah, and and, and, I, and I mean that in a, usually it's a negative term, but I mean that in a good sense. And so when the Spirit of God works through a person with the gifts, it's very subjective. Mm-hmm. But I have given prophetic words. I, I operate in the prophetic, unlike some people who operate in the pathetic. <laughs> <laughs> one comedian said there's some people operate in the pathetic. Or one comedian he said uh he said they people that who you know get that way, they're supposed to be so spiritual. They first of all they get that stink face. You know what I'm talking about? Their their face all yeah, screws okay. up. They just they like they smell something bad. Uh-huh. They go, ooh, and then they start rubbing their stomach like they've had something bad to eat. Uh-huh. And they start going, mmm, ooh, ooh. It's, <laughs> the Lord told me to tell you, and you think you're gonna get this that tomorrow's Thursday. Oh, hallelujah. <laughs> <laughs> that's the pathetic. That's operating in the pathetic. You know, telling me something I already know. But when you operate in the prophetic, the gift of prophecy, what, what happens is the 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 you will have a, a a great awareness of the presence and the power of God mm-hmm. in your spirit. We're spiritual beings, and you will sense His presence. It, it will be strong. It will be very real, almost tangible. And you have what I like to call an almost uncontrollable urge to speak. Now, it's not uncontrollable. The spirit of the prophet is subject to the prophet. There you go. That's what the Bible says in 1 Corinthians 14, 32. The spirit of the prophet is subject to the prophet. So so I can control it. So there are right moments and right times when you speak out in the church but when that moment comes and that opportunity comes, then then you're able to speak out, and and you can control when and sh- the, when the prophecy and how the prophecy message is is given, and and it, and it is a word f- from the Lord to the church, and again, it is usually a word that's encouraging and uplifting and. It, and helps the congregation. Yeah, okay? what does he say right here? Strengthening, encouragement, and consolation. Those are the three things. Mm-hmm. Those are the three things. So strength, encouragement, and consolation. So prophecy, we need prophecy. I, mm-hmm. I, I'm going to say something to you. I'm say it to you as my, my son. I'm going to say it to you as a staff member, as a pastor, fellow pastor, as a member of my church. We need more prophecy. Yeah. I'll be honest. We need more prophecy. Um. But it is it is it's terrifying. If you want to be honest, especially if you're in a bigger church, you know we have a bigger church. It can be terrifying to get up and give out a prophetic word, saying, "Am, am I hearing from God?" You're kind of putting yourself out there. You're putting yourself out there, and we're going to get to that in a minute. Uh-huh. You're making yourself accountable, and you're opening yourself up. You must open yourself up to the judgment of the body. That's that's not something that everybody's going to do. You you have to be a vessel who says, I am totally willing, God, to be used by you to the point that if I stand for hundreds of people, I'm gonna give a word if and I might get it wrong, you know, but I'm hopefully gonna get it right. So we need we need it. And I'm gonna talk in a minute about why we need this gift. But let me address, if I can, Agabus. Mm-hmm. Uh in in the book of Ephesians, chapter four. 
we have a listing, verse 11, of the five-fold ministries. Mm-hmm. So you're familiar with that. Hopefully our listeners are. It's um, apostles and prophets and evangelists and pastors and teachers. Those are the five, it's often called the five-fold ministry. Um, they're often called the gifts <clears throat> of Jesus. Uh, there are gifts of the Father, they are gifts of the Son, and gifts of the Holy Spirit. Did you know that in the Bible? I've never heard that category. Yeah, there actually there 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 are passages that talk about the gifts of the Father, and then there, are, and, and and so the gifts, the fivefold ministry. If you'll read Ephesians eleven, it, it's it, Jesus ascended to heaven; he gave gifts unto men. Mm-hmm. Okay, so they this is the gift of Jesus to the church: are the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the, the pastors, and the teachers, and so. There is the gift of a prophet, and and just like you and I have the gift of pastoring mm-hmm. and the gift of teaching, so there are guys that that are prophets. The office of the prophet is is a gift given to Jesus to His church. The gift of prophecy is given by the Holy Spirit to an individual. Hmm. Now, one of the things that shows the difference, and you didn't read it, but in Acts twenty one eight through ten. Um, you talked about you read about Agabus. Mm-hmm. If you would have read, there is also mentioned four virgin daughters of Philip the Evangelist, right. yeah. who did prophesy. Huh? Yeah. And then they were contrasted with a certain prophet named Agabus. So the four virgin daughters prophesied, which was the gift of prophecy, but they are contrasted with a man who is who has the office of a prophet. Agabus. And they were born of a man who has the office of an evangelist? And a deacon. Wow. Yeah. So, but yeah, so you had the evangelist and the prophet. Uh, so you can see the gifts are very clear uh-huh. as as defining statements or identifying statements in the, in the New Testament church. Isn't that pretty cool? That is neat. Yeah. So what's the difference now that we're here? What's the difference between someone who holds the office of a prophet and... And someone who functions in the gift of prophecy, or are you, or are you saying they're the same thing? <clears throat> no. So I I think the the prophetic the, the gift of a prophet is is that person who functions in prophecy, just like you and I function as preachers, as pastors. We shepherd the flock. We feed the flock. We we have a calling. We we have giftings for that calling. I think the same thing is for a prophet. A prophet is one that God calls to continually speak to the church. So where the nine gifts are available to any of the body of Christ, uh, I, I, I still have a theology that you have to be spirit-filled to operate in, in those gifts. Uh, and, I, and I'll show that in just a second. But if you're spirit-filled, then you're, you're eligible for those gifts. That's That's for anybody that's spirit-filled. And and those are for moments in worship gatherings or of any any sort. But the prophet is the person who God can speak through at any to anyone at any time. And I think that's where that personal prophecy comes in. You have to be careful with personal prophecy. That 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 can get a little squirrely because then you got somebody just with a lot. That's a lot of power. But if you'll notice, Agabus gave a personal prophecy to Paul. Yeah. And, 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 and to be clear, it was in the context of other folks. So it was a personal prophecy to Paul, but it wasn't necessarily like private. Hush, don't tell anybody. No, please. it was in a public gathering. Yeah. But but it was it but it was it was personal. He knew yeah. things about Paul. And if you'll notice, so that's one thing. He had knowledge personally of Paul. Number two, did you notice the element of the foretelling was more mm-hmm. involved with the gift of with the office of the prophet? He knew the future. Yeah, he took him and bound his hands, and he said, "You go to Jerusalem; they're going to bind you." He knew the future, so it seems that the gift of prophecy is more about edifying and building up the church in a spontaneous moment in a service where the prophet has the ability. To, to speak one-on-one to people as well as to the body and operates more in that foretelling as well as the forth telling. Which we could, and I think we could even argue, even though what he told Paul was difficult, encouraged him. 
Paul wasn't discouraged. He's like, yeah, I'm ready to go. So I don't think that, I don't think he broke the rules there. Well, and if you study it, it's really interesting because the, the prophetic word from the office of a prophet is not binding. So where Paul could have said, oh, I better not go to Jerusalem. Paul said, the word of the Lord to me is I'm supposed to go to Jerusalem. Mm -hmm. So it was more descriptive than prescriptive. It wasn't prescribing him. So he didn't say go. He said when you go, this will right. Yeah. Or he didn't say don't go. Yeah. See that that's where you would a, an office of a prophet would be overstepping his. But I'm telling you what to do. I'm the voice of God. Mm. That's spiritual authoritative abuse. Yeah. He just spoke for the Lord. He's just the mouthpiece, and then Paul has to make his decision. Well, Paul said, "Okay, well, I, I figured that's going to happen. You've confirmed it, but I'm going anyway." It's mm. it's my destiny. Yeah. I'm going to I'm going to Jerusalem, and then yeah, I'm going to Caesar, and what? So it, it should affirm what you already know. It should be it should enlighten and enhance what you're already feeling directed by the Lord. That's but good. but it's good to have the office of a prophet because it's it's good to know there's somebody who just has that ear of the Lord. Mm-hmm. I was um, I was at Praise Cathedral. I was restless. I knew that my destiny was not to be there forever. I knew that God was working in my spirit. I may have already then been having thoughts about planning a church, didn't know what to do with it. And there is a friend of mine. We grew up together at Tremont Avenue Church of God, and her family went to our church and her husband was in the military, but they were home for the weekend visiting. And I'll never forget, it was a Sunday morning, Sunday night, church was over, and she operated in in the prophetic. And I, I, would, I would say she operated in the office of the, of the prophet. And she took me to the side, and she said, I want to speak a word to you. And she gave me a personal prophecy. And she looked around that big we at that point we were in that big beautiful auditorium at Praise Cathedral seats eighteen hundred whatever she said this and she put her finger around the air and, and she said this is not your destiny God has called you and she started speaking into my life and prophesying my future which came to pass mm. <laughs> I mean I left and started high praises and she said you will you will pastor your own church and she just she started naming the kind of church it would be and and she said I hope you can receive this I said I said I know you I have full confidence in you I said I've known you my whole life I know your 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 track record yeah I said yeah you better believe and I said it agrees with my spirit I said this is what God's been doing she said well that's what the Lord told me to tell you and that's she was crazy. done when she's done she finished she said I've just done I'm just the messenger so it can it's powerful when when you operate in that 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 office of a prophet see she was in tune with the lord that wasn't a message to edify the church that was something that i needed and uh-huh. it, it, it 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 looked to the future yeah that's so, good yeah all right so we're at 28 minutes can i just ask you just a few questions here not to say that you got to answer them quickly but i would like to be able to ask you all of them okay all right one, this is this is something that gets weighed against us a lot that I think is a really goofy objection. And I think only the most fringe of fringe would say this. So for example, a lot of people say the new we rail against New Testament prophecy, it's not real because the Bible is a closed canon. So is New Testament prophecy the same as Old Testament prophecy, where when a prophet stands up it is the inspired, infallible word of the Lord binding to the entire church that is the same as Scripture, just as Jeremiah and Ezekiel prophesied. Does you know, you know, Pastor Chad when he prophesies, is it the same thing? And the answer is no. Easy. The, the, I mean, the easy. canon is closed. The sixty-six books of the Bible are the completed canon. And and the gift of prophecy, or the, even the office of the prophet today is more for the edification of the church uh, than it is about revelation to the church for uh, for information that is equivalent to the inspired word of God. Yeah. What we know is the inspired word of God, the Bible. 
So the, the, the clearly, any, any uh, you're going to be hard pressed to find any Pentecostal spirit filled person who will tell you otherwise. Mm. It is it is assumed that we have the Bible, yeah. we, and it is assumed that anybody. And if you ever run into anybody who says my word is equal to the word of God, and, and you know, should be, th- then that person's a heretic. Right. I mean, yeah, and then well, they need to be dealt with. Yeah. So no, no, it's it's never even thought. Mm-hmm. It's always understood that prophetically it is for the body, it's for for the moment to edify a group of people within a particular setting spontaneously. So then that's my second question. Some of these I'm just going to build off of. Um, do you think the New Testament gift of prophecy is particularly localized? So for instance, there is not one great prophet stationed somewhere that the whole world needs to tune into on TV that's going to prophesy for every believer that's binding on every believer that we have to, or does prophecy typically work within, let's say denominational structures or local church structures, or even personally in someone's life? There were no denominations in the first century. There were just local churches mm-hmm. and gatherings. So I think that it was birthed within the local church. And I think it functions best within the local church. Um, the, the office of the prophet could go beyond the, the 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 boundaries of local churches and could expand to the point of speaking a word to the body of Christ with telecommunications and what we have available now. I'm not going to limit God. Um, <clears throat> so I'm not going to say that it can happen. But I think primarily it's for the local church. I think 1 Corinthians 14 says that. And I wouldn't just say denominations or whatever. I would just say it's, I mean, it, it should happen in every church. It's sad for the churches. I feel sorry for the churches that don't. But boy, it, it, it listen, it's a work of the Holy Ghost. Anything he does is going to help us. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Absolutely. I was just thinking more like um, just where do we identify them at, right? It's one thing if someone that you know and love and trust stands up in your church and, and gives a word for your specific congregation. But like, should we be going on the internet searching for self-proclaimed prophets who are prophesying to the church in America and go, this is it, these people got it, we need to, and then call your pastor up and say, hey, prophet so-and-so on Facebook Live last night said this, You, we need to change things around. <laughs> like, do we just go binding ourselves to every self-proclaimed prophet out there, or does it make more sense for God to work individually? I, I have a natural inclination against that. Yeah, same. I have a natural inclination against that. Here's the reason why. Um, there are there are guidelines for prophecy, at least for the gift of prophecy in in the church, in the scriptures. And one of the things that is clear is that it is the responsibility of the church in general and the church leadership in particular to, to judge the prophecies. Mm-hmm. Um, if you... If you decide to operate in the inspiration gifts, you, of necessity um, and inherently, immediately submit yourself to, to criticism, to, to judgment. Mm-hmm. It's it's if you're gonna if you're gonna function in it, you have to understand. Okay, once I'm done, I can be told I was wrong. Yeah, I, I, I can be told I was right. I, I'm putting it out there. And then it is the body's responsibility to ascertain whether or not what I said was truly a word from the Lord. And when you have somebody out on the internet who keeps putting out all this stuff, I think there are some real difficulties because I don't know if the checks and balances are in place. A guy named French Arrington, I pulled this from him. He's a brilliant guy. I love French Arrington. He said there are three means of evaluating the truth of a prophecy. First of all, it should match up with the Word of God. Yeah. So anything that anybody says that differs with the Word of God, you know immediately that's not a prophetic word. They can say, yea, verily, ha, and thus says the Lord, but it's not of God. Mm-hmm. Second, there is another gift called discernment, and sometimes the devil will move on people. Mm-hmm. So you need to know whether or not what we're hearing is a word from the Lord or if this is a word from the enemy. Yeah. Okay. The third thing, and this is the one I think where you run into trouble with the the internet prophets, is the character of the speaker. 
if it's in a local church and it's it's a guy named Joe that goes to my church and I know Joe. Joe and I go fishing. We I've been to his house. We go out to eat. I know Joe. I know Joe's character. Mm-hmm. Okay. The internet guy, I don't know him. He's got a persona and and I don't know him. So that right there raises a flag for me because yeah, you can be saying thus the the Lord showed me and you know, I've heard this and the Lord gave me this vision and all this and well that's great, but I don't know you, man. I don't know who you are. I, that that kind of makes me already say it's hard to trust somebody I don't know. So how do you feel about this? Let's say because this is all kind of interconnected, prophets should primarily be operating in the local church and not on Facebook Live prophesying to whoever's listening and then saying Hey, if you enjoyed this prophetic session, please sew into Joe Schmo Ministries. Send in your offering here and now. That's disconnected from a local church. That's some random dude just getting on there, just saying, just saying what he's saying. Is a is that what a prophet's supposed to do? As a as a person and as a pastor, I would I would encourage my people not to do that. Yes. I would I would encourage them. I mean, unless. Unless you, again, you know this person, um, you, you prophets profit because they're just voices of God. I mean, it's just it's it's you're speaking as a, it's it's um, the pastoral ministry, the, the the teacher pastor ministry is tied with the leadership of the church, the elder ministry, the presbyter, and so. When you preach and then you're an elder, because it says that preaching an elder pastor, then you're supported by the church. That's the only, you notice that's the only one. And the other one is the apostle. Mm-hmm. Okay. So then the other one, you they just help them along. But, yeah. but um, when you start forming this whole ministry off of, a, you know, giving prophetic words, um, and then you're wanting to get paid, I, I, I have a struggle with that. So would you say that to be, and I I use this term loosely, ordained as a prophet, and I don't think that's the correct word. What does it look like to be verified as a prophet? Can can you be a self-proclaimed prophet, I have the gift, or do you have to be recognized by a local church body, recognized by eldership, recognized by other people who aren't prophets? What does it look like to be a, a prophet what does that look like to, to come into that? Humorously responding, the answer is yes. <laughs> you can be a self-proclaimed prophet. You could be. I've, I've known self-proclaimed apostles. <laughs> can you be a legit self-proclaimed prophet? Yeah, who, Ron Carpenter. You know, I'm just Ron's. Ron's a great guy from. Where's Ron from? Moonville or yeah, Possum, Possum Kingdom? Kingdom. Uh, the Pentecostal holiness guys, rich heritage. His dad was a pastor, a rich guy, but somewhere along the way, Ron became apostle Ron Carver. I don't know how that happened. And, and, yeah. and, uh, so he's an apostle. I don't know how that happened, you know, and that's between him and God. So I don't know, but I, I just said that because probably some of our listeners know, and, and I'm not speaking down Ron. Yeah. I'm just saying that's the one that comes to my mind is apostle Ron Carpenter. Um, uh, there are people who, you know, call themselves apostles, call themselves prophets. Uh-huh. So you you can do that. I think the greater credibility comes when the recognition. Look, here's the thing I've always said: I the real prophets they don't call themselves prophets; they just prophesy. Mm-hmm. If you want to be honest with you, real prophets they don't get hung up with titles; they just they just function. Yeah, the ones I've known that are the real deal. It's not. And if someone else wants to ascribe that to them, then they'll take it. Yeah. But it's not what they live by. It's yeah. look, I'm a bishop. I mean, I am. I'm a bishop. I'm, I'm, I don't have to be in the Catholic Church to be a bishop. My denomination has ordained me. I'm an ordained bishop. I've got paperwork to prove it. I don't go around, you know, Bishop T.D. Jakes likes to be called Bishop T.D. That's fine. I don't have to be called bishop. Nobody calls me bishop. But I am one. Mm-hmm. I am one. But I just. I don't need that. I just, I do the work of a bishop. I function. And I, so I think when you have a real calling in your life, you do it because you're answering to God and you're just doing what you're called to do. So yeah, I, but it creates, it creates accountability when you're recognized. I think it's better to be recognized and then 
And then people are saying, we see the fruit that you're a consistent voice of God that is dependable. What you say builds the church. What even some of the things you you know the things you predict they come to pass. Mm-hmm. Agabus had that understanding. If you notice, they didn't call him Prophet Agabus. They just said Agabus, who was a prophet. It was he, Luke who called yeah who called yeah. him a prophet in describing the story, not in the actual narrative. They didn't say, oh, here's Prophet Agabus. Right. He is because Agabus had a track record. Uh huh. And Agabus just functioned. Yeah. And they said, oh, hey, that guy's in tune with yeah. the Lord. He's a prophet. He hears from God. I think that's what you'd want. That's what I'd want. I mm. just want to be known as somebody who could hear from God. That's good. You know. Do you think prophecy comes primarily through in-person proclamation? Or can it be, I, I'd laugh, but like I see people share these mile-long Facebook posts. Is my conscience bound when I'm scrolling through Facebook looking at funny memes when I come across prophetic word by prophet something, something, something that's been shared on Facebook and it's going to take me 30 minutes to read? Do I need to read that and hear the word of the Lord or should I be hearing through my ears someone in my context? I I would say the latter. I'm not, again, I'm going to be gracious today. Um, because I'm not going to paint with a big brush. There might be people out there on the internet who are actually hearing from God and they're posting what they hear, praise the Lord. And if it can help somebody, bless somebody, praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. So I'm not going to, I'm not going to be critical. I'm not out there looking for that. I think God speaks primarily in the local church. Mm -hmm. First of all, I think God speaks to us through his word. I think God speaks to us. He said, my sheep know my voice. And they follow me, so I think you can hear you can hear from the Lord. And then He's placed the gifts in the church. Mm-hmm. So if you're not in a church, if you're in a church that doesn't have that gifts, go find you one. Yeah, and and get in a church where there is the the, the, the word of the Lord. Uh, and I and again, it gets back to again, you know, the character of the person. You're able to discern. There's accountability. The leadership's going to make sure that if something isn't done properly, it's dealt with. That's good. So now let's talk about, I want to talk about, I want to ask you first a question about the content of prophecies, and then I want to ask you about uh, whether or not prophecies can be wrong. So one, based on what we've talked about, it seems like it's prophecy comes from not a self-proclaimed, but a recognized prophet, usually spoken in the local church for the edifying of the people. Do the con- does the content of prophecies, should it involve political predictions of certain presidential candidates of America, which whatever you want to say about our political founding, right? We're not Israel. We're not an explicitly Christian nation. The kingdom of God is invisible. It is spiritual. It is here. It's worldwide. All those good things. Should, is it appropriate for a a prophet to stand up and say, I'm going to prophesy about who the next president is going to be. Does that have anything to do with the edifying and the upbuilding of a church, especially a local church, is that appropriate in any way? Or or does that come across as pandering? Christian and, nationalism. And I don't even care about that term, just pandering. Pandering, And yeah. giving people what they want to hear and making them think God cares. I, I think you've already answered the question through your question. I think you're already I think <laughs> I'm you're trying to give my opinion through the question, but I you, want to hear what you have You've to given say. your opinion through the question. <laughs> Look, I always leave room for God. If yes. God wants to if God wants to speak about a, a a politician in a church, he can do it. It's not about what God can do. It's about okay, what so, he does. Right. So I'm not gonna First of all, okay. So yeah, I'm going yeah, yeah. to leave, got a, you. I'm gonna got leave you. a back yes. door that can, just in case. Can God do it? Could God do it? Would he could. Absolutely. If he wants to do that, it's a big deal. He could. Is that the norm? I would, I would, you're asking my opinion. I would say no, no. Mm-hmm. I, I would say that, that we, we have experienced some things. I don't know that I've ever seen the church. Get as wrapped up in Donald Trump as they have with any other presidential candidate or president. Mm. Not not even Ronald Reagan. Um, I, I don't I don't know when I've ever seen what I saw, um, and it and um, and it was a little scary with with uh, some of the things that were said and done. But <clears throat> and if you want the context of what we're talking about, there were a plethora of Facebook 
prophets who got on and prophesied Trump would win. When he did not, some of them apologized, and a large swath doubled down and said that a day of reckoning would have risk coming, and he's still going to be the president. And here we are, and it's February 2022 when we're recording this. He is still not our president. And these some of these folks have not apologized or rescinded. That's that's what we're talking about. That was a big thing. It was a big thing, and it's an issue. There, there, there takes a humility to operate in any of the gifts. Mm-hmm. It's very humbling. Um, if you've ever operated in any of the gifts of the Spirit, it's humbling. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it's overwhelming because it's a work of the Spirit of God. Um, when there is a lack of humility and a pride, when there's an, a lack of an ability to admit that you're wrong, that you missed it, then there are deeper issues within the character of the person who's speaking. Okay. But I think there were some people that got caught up in some fanaticism. They got caught up in the fervor. Um, But if you miss it, you have to admit it. Okay. So let's go back to the local church and then go back out again. In the local church, I'm going to go and I'm going to preempt you. Mm-hmm. Can you be wrong? The answer is yes. You can be wrong. You can give a prophecy. You can think you have a word from the Lord, and it's you. <clears throat> it can be you being caught up in the fervor of the moment. It can it can be you wanting uh, wanting to participate. It can be your flesh. I want to I want to speak out right now and be recognized. I could give five different reasons that are wrong, but you think you have a word for it. Just like you can give out what appears to be a message in tongues, the gift of tongues, and then nothing happens, and it was your prayer language. You got it wrong. Mm-hmm. You should have just kept praying in tongues quietly at your seat, but you got loud. I've seen that happen, and then you got loud, and you got emotional well, then everybody stopped what they were doing because they thought it was a message in tongues and they're waiting for an interpretation where there isn't one because it was your prayer language. So now the body's confused and now the pastor has to clean it up and he has to explain what's happened. So the same thing can happen. So so that's why if you speak, the church needs to judge it. And if you say, yea, verily, says the Lord, that, that, uh, that yea, five people in this church show... God has told you to give me a hundred dollars. Okay, all right, you've missed it. That's we got to spell profit differently. You're yeah, P R O F I T. Right. So obviously, the church is going to judge that, and the pastor is going to say to the body, brothers and sisters, that person that was not from God. Yeah. Okay. So, sir, sit down, be quiet, and don't speak out anymore. Mm-hmm. Okay, today. And and so that's what you get the safety factors there. I don't know what where was the accountability for all of these these Trump yeah. prophets and anybody else that's a prophet. Where's the accountability? There needs to be accountability that says you were wrong. Mm-hmm. And then that person needs to say, I was wrong. You know, in the Old Testament, if you were wrong, you got stoned. Well, that's kind of where I'm <laughs> going with this. I'm like, okay, what does that look like? Like when we say you can be wrong, like what are you batting? Are you batting 300? Are you batting 500? What do we mean by that? If you've got a responsible local church, like not a Facebook prophet, like we're talking about someone you trust, what does that look like? How do we discern? How do we keep faith that God still like really works through these prophecies? Can they give a prophetic word that isn't as blatant as give me $500, but that in some ways sounds convincing, but when it plays out, it's not. What it like what are the details there All right. where we where we don't lose confidence? So, so here's the thing. So so it's something a little more really I heard one time a guy say, Yay, I the Lord say to you, be not afraid. I was afraid once. Oh gosh. <laughs> <laughs> I think that actually happened. Okay. So if if a guy does that, he doesn't have a word from the Lord. Yeah. You know, he's using he's using the king the King James Elizabethan English, he's, he's, but you have to look at content. And I, 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 the Lord was afraid once. So if a guy does that, then a pastor has to get up and say, brothers and sisters, sir, brother, I know you meant well, but you didn't have a word from the Lord. The Lord has never been afraid once. I, you, you missed it, brother. Okay. And, and then the pastor needs to go to that guy and say, look, you got a pretty good track record, but you missed it today. 
you need to be more sensitive. You know, uh-huh. And that's and because the easy thing to do, and this is what cessationists have done, we just throw the baby out with the bathwater. That's the easiest thing to do is just kill it and say, we're not letting any. And I've known Pentecostal preachers that we're not having any words from the Lord. You know, Loran Livingston, I'm, I'm calling out names today. <laughs> but Loran Livingston, he wouldn't let her, never central. He said, there are no words from the Lord happening here. And he wouldn't let them talk because he didn't want to have to deal with the stuff. Mm. Of course, his church ran five, 6,000, so I'm going to understand. So, so there are guys that just said, we're not having any words from the Lord. You got a word from the Lord, you can go tell an elder. And I mean, so. I've actually heard that. You, you're just like sparking all these questions. So as far as practicality goes, so for some people to be careful, right, that, that something wrong doesn't get placed, they, they will instruct people, if you feel like you have a word from the Lord, come tell a pastor, we'll pray about it. For two to three days, if we feel good about it, we'll release it to the church. Then in other ways, we like what you were talking about, there's like a spontaneous like utterance. Then if they get it wrong, we deal with it right there. What is what does that look like? What what are you for? What are you against? Does well, that line up with the New Testament? No, we've done I've done that at high praises. I've had people tell an elder, I've had them come up and tell me. Uh-huh. Uh, and we prefer that because then I can judge it right then. And I can determine if it's germane, if it's fitting, or not. Uh-huh. And again, that's accountability. That's laying yourself under a place of judgment. So I think that's a good protocol to have. Mm-hmm. It's still spontaneous. You're still getting a word from the Lord, and we're still getting it to the body. <clears throat> but it helps protect the the prophet, the the person op- again, the person operating in the gift of prophecy. Uh-huh. It protects them, and it protects the church. So as far as people getting it wrong, do you think that's a frequent occurrence? No. I think most of the time people <clears> – excuse me. I'm, I'm sorry. I'm still just residual from this COVID. Um, I, I, I know we have more gifts of tongues and interpretation in mm-hmm. our spirit-filled church. Most of the time, it's, it's, it's on. It's an mm-hmm. edifying word. It could be real general. You know, people – sometimes it's an appeal for people to get saved. Usually, I've noticed it's very contextual to what's happening in the service. Yes. So it's usually not just like, I'm God, love me. It's like something that really goes with the sermon yes. or what's happening, and it'll be like, there are some people in here you're still holding on to X, Y, Z that makes like it is the perfect compliment to something you're preaching about or the way yeah. you're ministering in the altar or whatever. Cause the Holy spirit's there. He knows what's yeah. happening. He's in the context. It doesn't feel random. Right. And I think the prophetic words should be the same way. Uh-huh. I think the, all right, let me just, let me back up a minute and let me talk about why we need this. Maybe this will help because uh-huh. we're, we're all over the map. Um, you, you read this in verse three, he who prophesies speaks edification, exhortation, and comfort. Those uh-huh. are three positive things. So prophecy edifies. It builds up. I put this in my notes. Jesus is building the church through the salvation of sinners, mm-hmm. but the Holy Spirit is building the church through the manifestation of his power. That's that, good. That's cool. Mm-hmm. So the gift of prophecy, prophecy will strengthen men and women who are weary from spiritual warfare. Mm-hmm. It'll replace doubt with faith. It'll replace hopelessness with hope, okay? So that's building up. Encouragement, it, 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 that in the original Greek, it means to call near. Mm-hmm. So so you could have somebody who comes to church who's been maybe straying from the Lord, and a prophetic word, can, can somebody can say, the Lord says today that I am reaching out to you and giving you a chance to come back to me, return to me. I feel like the Lord speaks <clears throat> that to us a lot. I've heard a lot of exhortation. Yes. In a positive way, an appeal to yes. sinners, respond or, or appeal to the broken. I'll comfort you. I, I, I've noticed that a lot. It's like grace and compassion. Yes. It's like the call it's to the prodigal. It's a moment, too. Yeah. And then it provides comfort. Uh-huh. And and so, again, the American church, we don't see this as much, but we're seeing it more in America now. But th- think about the first century church that was suffering persecution, mm-hmm. people suffering heartache maybe physical abuse, uh, say a church is going through a trial and a prophet gets up and says, thus says the Lord, I am with you and my hand is upon you and I will protect you mm-hmm. and and my life is here mm-hmm. and you will not fail and you will not falter, says the Lord, but I am. And they begin to speak 
these just words to these folks. They know what's going on, right? And yeah. they're consoling the church and they're comforting with That's the good. church. So, so it's in harmony. The words in harmony, not only with the word of God, but it's in harmony with the context of the church of That's the situation really of the yeah. church. That's what I think. That prophecy. So it's. It, is. I think that helps. <laughs> I think that makes so much sense because when you talk about discernment, it's not like this message came out of left field. And now we got to spend days upon days in prayer to think of this very strange message. It's like, it, it, I don't want to say immediate, but in some senses immediate. Does this contradict God's word and does it make sense in our context? <clears throat> you just get it, I guess. Well, we have this, you know, we have this word in our vocabulary and this a star vocabulary that came out of somebody operating in one of the gifts. And uh-huh. it's, it, it, I, we don't remember if it may have been a message in tongues, but could have been a prophecy, but yeah. this person in church said, yay, yay, thou art altogether too. too. And you could tell they were searching. Uh-huh. They said, thou art altogether too zerbendy. Thou art, z-. and they made up a word. They made up the word zerbendy. That's not a real word. And they said this in a church. Oh, gosh. And we, either we were there or we heard about it, and we thought it was so funny Obviously, we judged that that was not of God. So we took that word and incorporated it into our family, my mom and dad and me and Sonia, and we've done it with you guys. And we'll, to this day, you know, somebody gets a little, you know, they get a little excited and say, hey, you're getting a little Zerbindi now. You yeah. need to settle down. So that's our <laughs> word, you know, you're getting a Zerbindi. So, so we, you know, obviously, that moment had to be judged. I think those are the kind of things where people say things that are just, that are in contradiction mm-hmm. to something, and you could get up somebody get up who has a again who's got a Mormon background, a Jehovah's Witness. They, they'll say something that's not right. Mm. They may speak Gnosticism, modalism, whatever. That oh, I want to talk about that real quick. I know we're kind of going on. Do you think that the 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 theology of the prophet impacts the prophecy of the prophet? Oh, absolutely. There's like, no doubt. Like if you're a brand new Christian, you just pulled off the street. I, I don't know that God would necessarily choose to prophesy through you, but like would that impact what comes out? Oh, there's no doubt. You know, uh, out of the treasures of your heart, you know, the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So whatever's in your heart, what's in your mind, God can use, you know, mm. to, to come out. So I, 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 I think that's interesting. Like, correct me if I'm wrong. In our church, it's a lot of older men who would do something like tongues and interpretation. Do you think that makes sense within the context of maybe spiritual longevity and maturity? Uh, it, you know, if you just, you know, again, we're getting anecdotal now, but I guess yeah, so. It's just if opinion. Really, it's yeah, just, just opinion. observation. It, yeah, oftentimes it seems like it, it is. And, and women, they're women. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. Because just, yeah. I, I believe, yeah, because, and, and that's why I said earlier, I think, Look, prophecy is definitely a part of the Pentecostal experience because Joel said, in the last days, says the Lord, I will pour out my spirit on all flesh and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. And by the way, that might just contradict what you and I just said. It said, your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Yeah, exactly. Your old men shall well, dream dreams, young men see visions. So The Bible so, got me again, corrected me again. But but it says, your daughter shall prophesy. Yeah. So, you know, this whole egalitarian thing, uh, I, I, I don't believe in... I'm, I'm complimentarian, so I'm not for women pastors, and I, I'm, for, I'm for women preachers. I don't have a problem with a woman preacher. I'm not for a woman pastor, but I'm all for women prophets operating yeah, in, the, in, the, in yeah. the tongues and interpretation. Women can do that. Uh, we've got a. I remember a few months ago, uh, we've got a wonderful couple in our church. They're about to go back to Guatemala. They're missionaries. Uh, one Sunday morning, his Amanda. Hill gave out a, a message in tongues. That's wonderful. And then it was interpreted. And I was glad because she's younger. Uh-huh. And and I'll be honest, I want to see more of our younger uh, generation learning how to yield to the Spirit and be sensitive to the Spirit and and flow in that. It's mm-hmm. it's kind of been a thing with me lately. It's funny we're having this topic today because it's been it's been in my mind and my spirit. I want to I want to see the next generation. Let me ask you this. I've heard, I'm trying to rapid fire because we're running out of time here, but um, I've heard this before. Um, when we encourage people to prophesy, does it look like encouraging people to prophesy like nearly incessantly? There's a kind of charismatic culture out there that emphasizes prophecy so much. It's like, hey, every time you walk into McDonald's, find a random person to prophesy to. And then two, 
Is prophecy so vague as to be like, all right, close your eyes. Lord, please speak to me. I'm seeing the number eight. I'm seeing a blue jacket. You know what I'm saying? No. I drive to, to 8th Street and I see a man with a blue jacket on and then I'm supposed to go talk to him. Is it that kind of weird, like, guess, puzzle, no, game not at all. playing? It's it's Because I've heard that kind of talk no, before. No, and I think that's where there are these schools of prophets. Uh, there's one out of Charlotte. Yeah, uh, Morningstar. I, I I am, I am, and like I'm that. going to say this online. I am not a Morningstar advocate at all. None of it. I've seen too much damage. I have personal friends that have been ruined. I, my friends, okay, so I'm being really strong here. Mm-hmm. My friends have been absolutely ruined by Morningstar. So I don't have, I don't have hardly anything for them mm-hmm. at all. Okay, so you got to be careful with, with that. You get into that. I have a, we have a man in my church that grew up in an apostolic church, and he he has a he said the apostle. He said we had an apostle. He said he's the father of the house, and he said we had prophets, and he said prophets will tear your church up if you don't keep them in line. He said they'll go around prophesying to everybody, running their mouth all the time. He said the apostle is the dad. He tells him to sit down, and shut up. He <laughs> cracks a stick and said you're out of line. You missed it. Sit down. Be quiet. <laughs> He said, so, you know, you have to be, he comes from a different, yeah. it's, it's your, one, your best <laughs> yeah, friend, exactly. it's your best friend's dad. So, you know, what I'm talking about, so, so, you know, again, if, if you don't have structure and guidelines and training, you can have excessiveness, excessiveness. So prophesying is not shooting in the dark. No, you get a word from the Lord. It's, it, it's an inspired moment where you know that, you know, that, you know, that God is speaking to you. You, you know, it, you know, you you have this message, and you just know I got to speak this message. Are you hearing the words in your head? Or are you just yielding it? I think it's out? subjective. Some people hear the words in their head. Some people get it like on a screen. I know for me, sometimes God, it's like there's a screen, a big movie screen, and God, it just comes out of all of the like blue a spiritual teleprompter. It is, and That's I just cool. and I get it. And then sometimes I, I get words. Sometimes the Lord will give me the beginning of words, and so I begin to speak, and then the words flow. Mm. So it's that spontaneous inspiration and then when it's done it's done wow and that's another thing i've seen people just go on and on and on and i'm like yeah it just makes me wonder because when the lord, if the lord needs to say it he'll say it mm-hmm. and then when he said it he's done you know so again this is so subjective man it's just and that's why it, there's a learning process and i think there should be grace for when people do mess up mm-hmm. i think there should be grace and if they really true truly do want to flow in the gift of prophecy. You know, Paul said, don't forbid it. Yeah. Quench not the spirit. You know, he said, don't quench the spirit. Mm-hmm. Quench not prophecies. Yeah, don't so, despise prophecies. Prophecies. Right. And I think that's the easy way out. It's yeah. the easy way out is that we're just not going to do it. Mm-hmm. We're just not going to. And boy, then, then we're. Then you miss out on something good God has for you. Supernatural. I love when we have them. They're always deeply like comforting. Yes, that's the whole point. Yeah, it does. If it works, if it does what God says it's supposed to do, then it, it it comforts and helps the body. And you leave church not only blessed by the Spirit of God and blessed by the power of God, but you're also blessed by not not just the preaching of the Word of God, but by a spontaneous word from God. Yeah, I think that's good. You got anything else to say? Uh no, I mean, I, I, I mean, we, we've covered a lot of ground. <laughs> <laughs> I tried to just rapid fire that last thirty-five minutes, like thinking, okay, what, what are, what do I wonder, and what do people ask? What are they wondering? How does this work? What does this look like? Yeah, and I, I would just, I think the last thing I would say, and this is the pastor in me, is if you're one of those people that's on the internet, you're reading these prophecies all the time. Uh, I, I, I'm just being honest with you. I've done, I've delved into a little bit of that. My parents follow some props. I've other people send me stuff, and I read it. And sometimes they seem so broad. And the mm. wind is blowing. The wind is yes. blowing. And yay, the wind is blowing again. The wind shall blow. The wind. Then they'll talk about how we new these, season is coming. And and I'm like, okay, but it's that's not speaking to me. It's not speaking. God God speaks with intentionality. Mm-hmm. Every word in the Bible has intention. Mm-hmm. And when God speaks to me, it's intention. And so I think there should be a relevancy. You know, words are meaningless unless they have meaning. <laughs> you know? That was deep. Words are meaningless. 
I mean, you're right, though. You can say a whole bunch of gobbledygook, and it never helps anyone because it's so subjective and it's so just whatever. If I have to decipher what Mm -hmm. you're saying, I'm not. It's not helping me. Yeah, and I shouldn't have to decipher it. God, and I'm not talking about again the Old Testament book of Ezekiel. Man, that's one of the hardest prophecies in the Bible. Yeah. But not, that even has its own, that's a genre. We can study that. We understand how the language works. We can, right. we can you know, we, we, we can come with a plan and it, <laughs> to approach that, not what someone says on a Sunday morning contextually. And, and the people at that time would have understood yeah, that's exactly it probably right. a whole lot better than we do. Yeah, exactly. So, and it traces biblical things. Yeah, all that good stuff. Yeah. Yeah, so, I, th- I think you're, yeah, I think you're totally right. It shouldn't, God's not the author of confusion and he's seeking to build up. And he's seeking to help his church. And I, I just, I always just laugh at some of the stuff I see on the internet. And I also am sad because a lot of people put stock in. And if you spend more time reading Facebook prophets than you do the Bible, you've, you, you got that's, it back. That's not healthy. Yeah. You're, that's not the, that's not, you know, man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. The, the word that proceeds from the mouth of God has comes doesn't say from the mouth of the prophet. Yeah, from the mouth of God. The mouth of God is, is whole, uh, scriptures. Yeah, holy one of old road is they were moved upon by the Holy Spirit. All scripture is God breathed. That's right. The mouth of God. That's right. And so stay in the Word, mm-hmm. and then but don't despise prophecies. No, don't don't be down because that's also denying the Bible. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> you and, can't ignore that. That's and directly the, in there. And the work of the Holy Spirit. Yes. And yeah. we want all the work of the Holy Spirit. Yeah, absolutely. Well, thanks so much for joining us today. I hope that you enjoyed it. As always, give us a rating, like, review, subscribe, all the good things. Send it to somebody who you think could enjoy this. Send it to somebody who's way into Facebook profit. I'm just kidding. Just <laughs> joking. That's a, I just You have a personal conversation with them. But um, I, we really hope that you enjoyed it, and we'll see you back in a couple of weeks. Yeah.